What's up, players? Welcome to episode number nine of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read in the show, send us an email at readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today, as always, by the wonderful co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. Wow, good job, good job. An applause for Louis. <laughs> that was very smooth. I was I was here almost like kind of hoping that he would like mess up a little bit so I wouldn't be taken off of my job, but <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, I know. I, um, I, I'm, I was... A, a, Believe it or not, uh, people listening, that was the first take. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was really good, and it's a little weird being on the on the other seat, and like part of me almost wants to like jump in and like say something, but it's like no, wait, I gotta I gotta wait, I gotta let you know things go. <laughs> but cool, <laughs> yeah. Well, roles are reversed. In case you didn't know, I'm gonna be piloting the show this this week, and uh, Daniel uh, suggested that I have to get used to uh, driving this and steering the ship here. So uh, we're gonna see how things go, and. I'm basically just flexing my podcasting muscles here this week. Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean, you've been great from the beginning on all the stuff that uh, that you that you did in the show. And 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 when this started, I feel like maybe I was like um, kind of looking at it too much, like uh, my baby or something, because like I I initially approached uh, approached you with the idea. But as we keep doing it, the more I see that it, this has really become like a a us a product and a product that I want to make sure is bigger than uh, any individual person on it as well. So I think that moving forward, we might start doing this a lot more often, where maybe we can start alternating some of the duties um more, more frequently yeah so. I'm, i was actually going to suggest off camera that i i should like one of these days i should actually edit the show and post it myself you know since yeah you, for sure you left me a document on how to on instructions and how to do it so i should actually like do yeah, it which is incomplete by the way <laughs> so i gotta add a couple <laughs> a couple of the steps there but yeah i want to make sure that we can each um be like able to handle the show from beginning to end and all the aspects uh, related to it so that if any of us is to die from the coronavirus or something, then the other one could theoretically continue the show on their own or with some other co-host or something. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, we actually speaking of coronavirus, we got a huge <laughs> amount of news on the coronavirus. So we're gonna we're gonna skip that for now. We're gonna stick to the pleasantries before we get into the bad news. That that's a so, good idea, Daniel. Uh, go ahead and hit us up with uh, what you're playing this week. So this week, I, I wanted to make sure to go and check out the Final Fantasy VII uh, remake demo because it's it's kind of the big thing that that came out over the last week that you know is free and and everybody can access. So so I wanted to make sure to to go and uh, and try it out. I was also curious at how it would compare to the E3 demo that I played last year. Um, and ultimately, it's not the same demo. There's some overlap. I think like the E3 demo was basically like maybe the second half of this demo uh, with a couple things that were definitely different i mean they've had like almost like a year to work on it since then uh so but but i uh i was i i enjoyed i enjoyed the demo uh it's i almost said i'm pleasantly i was pleasantly surprised but i wasn't surprised because it was in many ways what i expected i think the game looks really good uh i think the game plays well i really like the the mechanics of how the combat works in that game it's a mixture of you know action based like pretty much hack and slash or just mashing square uh if you're if and then uh, you build up this meter, and when you build up this meter, you can basically freeze time or just slow down time, and uh, and you have basically a typical so, RPG. 
menu. So my coworker was talking to me about that. Apparently, we or I played the game on classic mode, and you can slow down time with all that stuff, and the turn-based aspects of the game comes up. But you can play the game in, in the other mode, which doesn't do like the time freezing stuff, and you can just basically play the game as a action RPG from from really? the whole get. That's so, interesting. I didn't try uh, that. He, he suggested that I replay the demo again, but without the classic mode. So I don't know. I'm just, I feel like the game was intended with classic mode in mind, in my in my opinion. So I feel we'll like see. it comes across like that's the way to play. And I actually really enjoyed the way they did it. And granted, I know that the original, and, and we're both, uh, people know should know at this point that we're both not big Final Fantasy like fans and we have not played the majority of the the older games so i know that they already did uh a a combat system that was similar to that in the original game uh but it's been the system has been evolved and and the way they do it now is is quite different from what i um from from what i'm aware uh but but i definitely really like what how, what they're doing with it i think it's uh it feels fairly unique compared to like other triple a mainstream games that are in the market nowadays so i feel like it's going to be very cool to see the audience that this game attracts like not only old school fans of the of the classic game but also you know maybe people that are just big gamers today that perhaps were not even born when the original final fantasy 7 came out you yeah, know that makes sense yeah or we're too young um, yeah. true so um anything else that you wanted to talk about uh i played a little bit more uh modern warfare uh but i just just going through the story i still haven't beaten it but i feel like i'm pretty close i might i might actually beat it uh before our next episode uh and then obviously still playing fire emblem three houses uh and i actually pulled up uh skyrim on my uh i actually just want to talk about this for for a couple minutes really quick i i mentioned uh i think it was last week that i i i finally got myself an xbox 360 and then oh, I oh <laughs> yes 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 I remember now and then I went ahead and started buying a lot of kind of the the classic like typically associated with the Xbox 360 games so what that meant was like you know the Gears of War games and I have not bought any of the Halo games yet but I'll be doing that um I got uh oh shit what is uh, I got the Mass Effect games and I got a couple other games it turns out you can buy a lot of those for very cheap on eBay nowadays if you're going for pre-owned which is what I'm doing but then I also grabbed Skyrim because you know it's I remember at the time that was very much like it obviously was like a PC game, but also a really big 360 game. It didn't run very well in the PS3. So I was like, you know what? I never really gave this game as much time as it probably deserved. I did play it a little bit on the PC, but I never got like that far into it. So it's like, I think I want to give it another shot. And then rather than playing like something like Mass Effect, which is like not available pretty much anywhere else on the modern consoles i'm playing skyrim <laughs> on the xbox 360 which is a game yeah, that i can which is, yeah i can you literally on play on anything else but that's what i'm doing right now as well so uh, th- those are my life Besides, decisions <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to play like uh, a game uh, a skyrim with you know, the lowest graphic settings you could have played it on the switch and got the same experience that that's true but i feel like there's something yeah. kind of historically enjoyable about playing the game as it was played when it came out like I just like it kind of transported me back to 2011 for for a bit so I kind of enjoy the experience. I'm not sure how far I'm going to get into it this time, but hopefully a little bit farther than last time. We'll see. Um but yeah, that's it for me this time. Okay, dope. So, uh for me, I wasn't uh, doing a lot of gaming this week, but I actually um wanted to play something that I thought I was in my collection and I couldn't find it. So I have a bit of a story. It was a bit of a wind-up. Yeah, go ahead. So um, at SmashCon last year, there's a, at every convention, there's going to be a vendor section, like a booth where you can buy games, old retro games, like Super Nintendo cards and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I ended up uh, finding a, a vendor booth that sells uh, Japanese imported games uh, for the Super Famicom, um, as well as other, other uh, power and other games in general. 
but I was looking for this one specific game. It's called Sanrio World Smash Ball. And it has nothing to do with Smash Brothers, by the way, just in case you you wanted to jump really? to conclusions on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about so, to. <laughs> so Sanrio World Smash Ball is um, actually a, um, it's a game that features Hello Kitty as the referee. Yeah. And it's basically the, uh, it's basically air hockey on the Super Nintendo. Okay. And it's, <laughs> it's very fun. It's very hype as fuck. Um, is is game... this one of those like rare games? Like not rare the company, but like rare to find. Like oh, since you, the, the circumstances in which you mentioned that you got it made me wonder. Um, it's probably common. Um, okay. I only bought it was only thirty bucks at the at SmashCon, and uh, the reason why it's only for the Super Famicom is because it was never localized and translated and released in North America. I see. So uh, it's not going to be a hard import, but. Um, I, I, I came, that game came across my attention because I was at an, a, another convention like years ago called SGC, uh, before it got bought out by Rooster Teeth. Um, and then they did like a, a Iron Man challenge and that was one of the games that they played and they made the whole crowd go hype as fuck. Like the whole <laughs> crowd was cheering and it was just like, it's a very easy game to wrap your head around and it gets really competitive really fast. And so that was one of the games that I was keeping my eye on for like the longest time, just trying to, um... I don't know how to put it. Um, I was trying to find it without having to go to eBay. Right. So I ended up find, I finding, I found it uh, there just happenstance, just looking through, rummaging through the, the vendor area. I bought the game and then I, uh, I brought it home, but then I completely forgot to unpack it. So I literally was spending this, this lap, like on Monday, just looking for the game all over my house. Uh, Cause I know I bought it and I had to remember like where, what, what else did I buy? And so I ended up buying, I, I during the same convention, I bought a PlayStation one bag um it's an official like carrying case uh-huh. and uh i ended up putting it inside the, the the pocket in there and i found it and i remembered like oh yeah i also bought this and then that's when i found it and so i ended up playing it um i have a Superboy, which is like a handheld super nintendo which uh, allows for the playing of uh, super famicom games because the original super nintendo doesn't have the correct cutout to allow it and so i ended up playing the game and it's pretty easy to figure out what the menu says um because it's in japanese but once you get the game going it's really fun and i hope to do a let's play of that eventually but if i haven't been able to recording the let's plays because my friends are ducking out on me but <laughs> beyond that it's gonna happen how would you even yeah. record a let's play of a game like that if you what do you mean like you said you're playing it on a uh like a what is it called super game boy a handheld yeah oh like... yeah yeah so the handheld Superboy has a video out um output that lets you put it to the tv oh i see okay i understand now so i can i can use it as a super nintendo like a real super nintendo and it's got the ports insert in there too so i can I put see. super nintendo controllers onto the handheld interesting cool so yeah. uh so another one for your uh collection that you finally found it it's so funny that you, you talked about the the bag like how, how you forgot it in like a convention bag because i i have some stories with those as well like like going to conventions and then coming back with uh, coming back with a bag full of just random crap that most most of most of which i don't care about and then just throwing the bag in a drawer or in a closet oh. or somewhere and not thinking about it for like the next two years and then suddenly like moving or something like that and having to figure out what am i going to do with this bag and then ultimately just throwing it in another box or something um <laughs> Yeah, I I now have like a drawer that's dedicated just to that stuff. Meaning, like, not the. I guess it, it is a bit of a hoarder mentality in a way, but it's it's mostly like things that I don't want to get rid of, but I kind of don't know what to do with. And a lot of them are like these random like convention like prizes and and things like that. And I just throw them in this drawer. Yeah, I have a backpack in my closet that has all my badges for every convention mm -hmm. I've ever been to. I have all of those too. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. So before we get on to the bad news, uh, we, have, we have some uh, some more news that we should let the audience know about. So next week, Dan, Dan and I are both taking off uh, for different reasons. We just so happen to both need next Friday or next Thursday off, which is when we record usually. And so luckily we uh, we record uh, we pre-record evergreen episodes for the podcast, stuff that we can release at any time whenever we need to take off. We call them DLC episodes. So DLC number one is dropping next Friday as scheduled. So we're not yeah. going to be covering anything new. If there's a Nintendo Direct or anything like that that drops next week, we're not going to cover it because unfortunately we're not. We're going to be taking off for the for next week. So you can all the listeners can still get your your weekly dose of us as we will post next Friday as usual. Yeah, and we uh, so, I haven't listened to that in a while, but we recorded it. I, I think at least like maybe like January two months I ago. Say. Yeah, close to two months ago at this point. Right by, by the time that it posts, probably going to be two months. And um, the, we might be we might say things uh, in there that are not applicable anymore. Um, I don't remember, but I know for sure I was probably talking about my GDC plans at this point. At that point, which that's not oh, happening yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, because that was the original. Okay, yeah. So next Friday, next next Friday was supposed to be like the week of GDC. Dan was going to travel. We already planned to have it the DLC one dropped on this date, anyways. Yeah. So we're just going to go forward with those plans. So, um, I, I think it's going to be a good episode as far as like it's evergreen. We're doing our we basically the whole purpose of a DLC is to do one topic and we just go on it for a whole podcast. So it's going to be very in depth and very in in the trenches, and you'll learn more about us. Yeah. Hope you enjoy and it and our taste. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to give any spoilers on that. So there it is, DLC 1. Look forward to that next week. Now, it's on to the news. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, was, I'm no sorry. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was like, wait, I totally forgot. Because now, since you're driving this show, like, I forget that, I, <laughs> that I'm still in control of the soundboard. But here you go. <laughs> there we go. Well, you know what? Don't edit that out. Just keep it on there. Yeah, I'll we keep gotta, that in there. That's gotta... good. There we go. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're not going to have a traditional news segment because Coronavirus Watch has taken over the news, and it's been dominating the uh, the news cycle all week. So it's been a slow news week altogether, uh, coronavirus notwithstanding. Uh, but we do have a couple of news segments that's going to be peppered into our other segments, like topic of the show. So we'll be getting into the, uh, the other stuff as well. But for the first uh, news, uh, this is the big headliner, E3 2020 canceled. And this article was written by Dr- Jason Schreier of Kotaku. So, the biggest trade show in video games is skipping a year. E3 2020, which was planned to take place at the Los Angeles Convention Center this June, is canceled as a result of the COVID-19 coronavirus that is currently spreading across the globe. The organizers of the conference said today, after, open quote, after careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020, scheduled for June 9th through the 11th in Los Angeles, close quote. The Entertainment Software Association, the video game lobbyist group that runs the trade show, said in a statement to the press in the morning. The the ESA added that it will be looking to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. Traditionally, the E3 has two parts. During the first days of the show, Saturday through Monday, major video game publishers like Microsoft and Ubisoft hold press conferences to showcase trailers, announce uh, their latest games, while from Tuesday through Thursday, the the show floor opens for business deals and video game demos. Uh, The first part will be far easier to replicate than the second. 
Microsoft has already announced an Xbox digital event for the year, as has Ubisoft. Uh, this year, a newcomer planned to enter the field. Warner Brothers Games was preparing to host an E3 press conference for the first time, according to three people familiar with the publisher's plans. There, WB Games had planned to talk about a number of much-anticipated games, including a new Batman, a Harry Potter game that had leaked in 2018, and the next game in the Arkham developers, uh, Rocksteady Studios. It remains to be seen whether Warner Brothers will instead hold its own digital event or do something else entirely. So... Quite a big blow uh, for the ESA yep. having to um, close out or, or cancel E3. So it's unfortunate. Uh, I've been talking for a while. Dan, you Dan, you take over. What you what you got to say? Well, it's uh, it's obviously unfortunate. You know, I think uh, it it what what's going on right now with this with this virus and, and the way that it's spreading and and how much it's affecting our our lives and and you know not only the entertainment industry but but so many other industries as well. You know, air travel and and uh, obviously um healthcare and and so many other things and uh today i i uh, there was just some some new stuff breaking about how there's now a travel ban uh, in the united states from people coming from europe or certain parts of europe i don't know the details so this is having consequences across the board and i think it's starting to become very real and it's starting to become something that people are legitimately concerned about and have reason to be concerned about and, and this is not meant to like scare anybody but i was just listening to a a podcast today with uh somebody that was very educated on 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 the subject and experience on the subject this uh uh, doctor slash scientist was on uh, Joe Rogan talking about you know the, this virus and and this uh, pandemic and this is not you know your typical like influenza uh, like spread that that we've had in, in the past this this is a little bit more serious and uh, we should all be uh, taking care of it to to the best of our abilities there's not a lot that can be done but it I think it makes sense that all these things are getting canceled and. Uh, I'm a little sad uh, because you know I was I was planning to go to E3 again as well. I, I've been going for a little bit as for for some years as well. But in some ways, like E3 has been you know getting kind of weaker through the years, and and so many companies have pulled out at this point that I feel like it might be better this way in in a lot of senses. Like for once, like I I feel like it might be nice for me to just experience things from home again. Um, the 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 expo floor is is it there's some fun aspects to it but it's kind of overrated and and it's really all about the conferences and the and the announcements and and i feel like we're still going to get that to some extent and yeah i don't know what do you have to say louis i have a lot to say actually yeah. uh so you're right whenever you said it got real um i have a lot of stories uh about that mm -hmm. on my side on the personal side so um i'll run through them real quick here before i have to say what i what i have to say about the esa in general but um so my mom, she bought like $500 worth of groceries yesterday and like including like hella number of packs of water, bought water mm -hmm. bottles. And like, apparently she was telling me about how like the stores or shelves are starting to get a little empty. And mm. um, it's basically like she's preparing for the apocalypse and looks it's, it's, it looks pretty bad when she brought all that stuff home and now had to help unload it. Um, and then on top of that, the, the our local newspaper, it's called the Star-Telegram here in, in Fort Worth. They reported uh, about a case that happened. It's... Uh, there is now a confirmed case here in my city, here in my, my county. Mm -hmm. um, like a man traveled to Tennessee in a, in a conference in February and has brought it home and, and gave it to his wife and son. So there's a 
that's that one case and another case in Dallas. And then on top of that, there was uh, the, um, the World Health Organization announced today that it's now been classified as a pandemic, whereas before, up until today, it was classified as an epidemic, which is a tier lower. Um, epidemics mm-hmm. generally tend to like infect a, po- a local population or be contained, but a pandemic is global and it's worldwide. So basically, uh, it's pretty bad. So yeah, and it, uh, this it, pretty much solidifies my plans to not travel to the to my Smash tournaments this year. Yeah, I'm I'm probably not going to be doing much travel as well. Uh, and uh, please, you know, if 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 you're concerned about this, please pursue information out there. There's a lot of information out there. A lot of it is not super accurate. It's it's what I've been finding. Uh, a lot of the things that you might be seeing in uh, social media might not be the most effective things for you to be doing. Uh, so definitely make sure to check your sources, uh, read from different places. Don't just believe the first thing you see about it. And be, uh, you know, be be concerned and, and, you know, try to make measures to the best of your ability to, to stay safe. Uh, I say that to our listeners, of course, but, you know, panic is not going to uh, lead us anywhere. So um, let's hope that we all get through this together uh in the best yeah, way possible agreed. and there's agreed. there's a lot of uh, stories that we're going to go through today about how this is affecting the the video game world uh at the end of the day that is that is really the least of the other concerns right um and yeah we're going to continue um, to get video games for <laughs> for for the rest of the year and, and for the time to come and and if we have to endure some delays and cancel conferences um to, to keep people safe that's a very small price to pay Indeed. And um, other news that's not part of the video game world, um, the NBA canceled yes. their games uh, because a player got, has coronavirus. And uh, originally, their original plan was to play at an empty stadium, like no one no one in the crowd, just play in a, mm-hmm. in a basically like a closed gym, essentially. And uh, that basically was now overrided. And then uh, I have not confirmed this, but from what I heard my coworkers are saying is that Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Yes, so I've seen that go around as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, it's real. I don't know. Okay, yeah, that's, that sounds about right from what I heard. Like he was in Australia or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so as far as the ESA thing, I uh, just wanted to go uh, circling back to the E3 conference canceled, and basically the the it's a huge blow for the ESA because uh, now we're going to be at the uh, at the the turning point because um, this will be the litmus test as to whether or not the ESA is relevant anymore as far as E3 goes. So like if uh, companies now do these digital events and are able to succeed with their PR strategies and they don't need to like start paying these out crazy vendor fees to have a booth. And then uh, what I was reading about is like, it's for like a small space is like $3,000. And then that doesn't include electricity, which you need electricity to uh, run your demo station. And it's basically like extortion from uh, for these companies. But at the same time, smaller devs, smaller indie studios, they need E3 because that's their time to shine. Like that's their time to get in front of a big audience of millions of people. Yeah. And on top of that, the news outlets like IGN and uh, other YouTubers, they get the most traffic, period, like bar none, because of E3, because all eyes are in 3 and all these people, these uh, millions of eyeballs are just coming and doing these click-throughs and watching these videos and watching these live streams. So it's basically like this crazy uh, breaking of the wheel mm-hmm. in all different fronts as a result of this cancellation i really hope we continue to have e3 in the future in the sense in the abstract sense of like i really want to continue to have a week in the year where it's all about new game announcements and new game demos and etc but i do not know to which point the esa needs to be 
involved with it necessarily. And I feel like that's kind of one of the changes that we're going to see. And uh, I think we might continue to see kind of the week of E3, but I feel like it's going to become a, a something that's a lot more abstract of a concept um, as opposed to like this convention. It's it, We're already in the process of that. I mean, the last couple of years have already kind of been like that, where for people watching at home is just E3, but really we're looking at a lot of different totally disjointed and disconnected events that just happen to happen in the same week, you know? I don't know if that's possible. Like, if you think about it, um, some companies may want to go in May or some companies may want to go in August because their their stuff may not be ready to show. Or, like, I, I for E3, it kind of, it forces a company's PR strategy because they, they, they crunch to get these demos ready. And, and not to mention, it's not even a good idea. Like, I would love an, an, an E3 where the ESA facilitates, like, the ability to have a digital E3 where all the stuff happens together and they can even... Uh, put out like demos on the PSN and, and Xbox Live for people at home to like try out, but then it'd get data mined. So yeah. the only other option would be like if they just do it through Google Stadia and they partner with them and that way you can't data mine it or something. I don't know. It, it but would it just kind of it would be really cool. It just kind of seems interesting. It would be really cool. My point was just that like for instance when we see like the Nintendo Direct during E3, that has nothing to do with the ESA. That's just Nintendo made a direct and they're just dropping it at that time slot, you know? Because they know that nothing yeah. else is happening at that time slot. So and EA Play, you know, they did their yeah. own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. um, in other news with regards to it, Xbox head Phil Spencer and Ubisoft announced that both the companies will be hosting the digital events in place of E3, which got canceled. Spencer uh, stated on Twitter that details of the timing of this digital event will be revealed in the coming weeks. And this new plan will be a way to celebrate the next generation of gaming with the at Xbox community who love to play. E- uh, Phil Spencer said on Twitter, E3 has always been an important moment for Team Xbox. Given this decision, this year we'll celebrate the next generation of gaming with the at Xbox community and all who love to play via an Xbox digital event. Details on, on timing and more in the coming weeks. I just wanted to say as a separate side note that um, it's going to suck because next John was around the corner and in, in theory we would have had all these PS5 uh, and Xbox Series X uh, demo stations mm-hmm. for people to try. That's now true. that's not happening. Yeah. Well, so. uh, yeah, the, the, the thing with uh, Xbox and Ubisoft, I feel like it's, it's, it's more or less predictable. The companies are, are still going to want to do something and, and I feel like we're still going to have something during the weekend with E3. Um, and in, in, in the form of like these digital events, so we're probably going to see a lot more news over the next couple of weeks and months of, you know, Company X announces their digital event or their digital plan. So there's probably going to be a lot um, more coming out there. I'd say the next one, predicting the next one, Sony will announce State of Play next. Yeah, that's, so. that's very possible. So we'll see about that. All right. So the next uh, the next big topic here is game. This comes from GameIndustry.biz. And uh, this is, comes from the James Bachelor. And he wrote about the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, which was indefinitely delayed due to coronavirus. Uh, The disruption caused by the spread of novel coronavirus COVID-19 has postponed the launch of Konami's TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Known as the PC Engine Core Graphics Mini in Japan, the device was due for release on March 19th but has now been delayed until further notice. In a statement, the publisher attributed this to an unavoidable suspension to its manufacturing and shipping facilities in China as part of efforts to contain the ongoing outbreak. Open quote, we deeply apologize to our customers for the significant inconvenience, and we humbly ask for your understanding and patience while we keep our close attention on the situation. Close quote. The company wrote. So... Yeah, another L. Yeah. It's uh, 
gonna be a lot of those going around yeah i wasn't uh i wasn't particularly uh interested in, in this uh in this device um i i i just brought this one in because i thought you know this might be the first of uh, many similar delays with uh, i think this might be the first one that we've seen where it's actually a delay of a new in quotes console that was uh being released yeah so. it's the uh, first official hardware delay of 2020 yeah so and and it was I also thought it was interesting that it was delayed so close to the to the release because um, this was po- posted on March sixth and the console was originally slated to come out on uh, March nineteenth so they basically delayed it like two weeks prior to release um, so yeah we'll you s- know that's kind of interesting is I didn't even know this th- this was a thing until I heard about the delay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I I'd seen it a little bit but yeah I wasn't uh, I'm not a turbo graphics fan or anything so it's just another one of the mini consoles which is the new you know sensation now the, yeah. the only thing i know about the turbo graphics 16 and i believe this is true is that's the uh, console where bonk was in right bonk's adventure uh, i'm not sure i can't speak to that i feel like that was before okay. my time <laughs> yeah so but i'm pretty sure that was it i'm i i've only played it once uh because my middle school history teacher or social studies teacher like brought it into class one time just to show us uh-huh. uh but yeah so uh, there's that's there's that. So let's go on to the next topic. So uh, Microsoft aims to give hourly staff their full pay despite the COVID-19 cutbacks. This week, many at Microsoft began working from home for an extended period due to COVID-19 concerns. And now the company says even though hourly contractors are working less, it still plans to pay them their usual rates. Open quote, we recognize the hardship that lost work can mean for hourly employees, close quote reads today's company blog post. As a result, we decided that Microsoft will continue to pay all our vendor hourly service providers their regular pay, regular pay during this period of reduced service needs. This is independent of whether their full services are needed. So as COVID-19 drives more game makers to embrace the convenience of remote computing and collaboration, this is a good reminder that a lot of people whose labor is critical to the industry don't have the same luxury. Microsoft makes a point of recognizing the contributions of on-site hourly workers, including folks who drive shuttles, care for on-site food services, and support Microsoft IT and audio video needs. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, that's, I guess that's pretty good. I, uh, they're trying to do something for their um, for their staff, uh, giving them at least their hourly pay. But it's gonna suck that there's less hourly work hours put in. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, they're not the only company that's now you know uh, starting uh, these uh, remote work policies. In fact, uh, Destiny Two developer Bungie is also doing it, and I feel like some other companies are also in the process of if they haven't started yet, they're in the process of figuring out how they can start doing that as well. Um, so it's not just another way how the that this is affecting the industry. And I feel like this, if it continues happening and it happens with more companies, well, first of all. Microsoft is doing a great job here in the way that they're handling the situation. This is absolutely right, absolutely fair, because it would suck for those people that are in the position of, you know, being an early employee and then not having their work to do there to not get paid and then, you know, be potentially get sick or be in a situation where they can't pay their bills or whatever. Um, So that's great. Um, But it's very interesting to see how I'm very curious to see how working from home will affect these companies where that was not a typical policy previously because there is a difference uh, between working from home and working at a at an office working at a studio uh, people that have actually done both can probably um, attest to that and you know some people work well from home some people don't there's a lot more distractions there's a lot of people that have to deal with their dogs kids whatever it is at home and or just typical you know home stuff that may take away from their work so I think 
this is one of those things that may potentially also influence uh, us getting more delays. Because, um, for instance, uh, we're now pretty close to uh, the last the Last of Us Part Two coming out, right? We're, uh, I guess, like about two months away from that. What if yeah. uh, Naughty Dog has to switch to working from home as well? Um, and then suddenly that can impact productivity in so many different ways. People are not together like they were anymore to like work together and help each other. Then they have to do video conferences for everything. Maybe they don't have access to their rigs and dev kits and in as... Um, that they're not as accessible as they were when they're in the office and et cetera. And then suddenly all the work that they need to do to finish the last of us, they can't do it in the time they have. Um, that's just an example. I don't know if that's probably not going to happen, but I think these policies, while they're great and, and they're, they're the correct thing to do. I think it's interesting to see if they're going to cause any delays or how the industry is going to handle it. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm not sure how to, how to respond to this to tell you the truth, because like, even when I think about my job, like in theory, I, I mean, I work at a, I work in a call center and in theory, everything that I can do there, I, I can technically do from home if I was given just the access or the mm-hmm. equipment necessary. So it's all possible, but I just don't think that uh, companies want to do that because you're right. There's going to be a different uh, vibe. They can't control like the, the, uh, the area, the workspace. Uh, it's going to be more distractions at home and uh, a lot less, lot less oversight. And just from our side of things, uh, it's going to be hella less secure because we do with we do with customer information and they don't want i'm sure no company wants to us to have that access from home yeah exactly um, so I mean, even like even like going into my job there's there's a security uh desk when you walk through there's there's security on site so mm-hmm. um yeah i just i don't i'm i'm glad that they're doing something um that's good for for their employees and i just don't know what else um i don't know what else to say yeah that's it but yeah yeah, <laughs> so we're just gonna go ahead and move on. Uh, South by Southwest, it's uh, it was canceled uh, due to the coronavirus, and it's um, very interesting because that's uh, it was a week out before it was delayed. It was uh, canceled. So, uh, The Verge wrote about it uh, by Nick Stat and Jay Peters. So, South by Southwest, the annual tech, music, and film meetup held in downtown Austin, is the last major conference to be canceled due to the coronavirus outbreak, and just one week before it's slated to start. It's the first time in the event's 34-year history that it has been canceled. The festival was scheduled to take place from March 13th to March 22nd, yet Austin Mayor Steve Adler today announced that amid an increasing number of high-profile speaker and company withdrawals and growing public health concerns, the festival will no longer be taking place. In order, uh, open quote, I've issued an order that effectively cancels South by Southwest, Adler said, referring Uh, referencing an emergency order put in place Friday over the coronavirus. The decision will almost certainly be a harsh blow to the city's economy as South by Southwest brings in hundreds of millions of dollars in tourism, ticket sales, and other revenue streams every year. Last year, the festival made $355.9 million for the city of Austin, South by Southwest, said in November. Uh, the company, uh, private company that organizes South by Southwest, which has yet to uh, detail its refund policies, made cl- uh, clear in a statement issued on Twitter and its website that it was the, a decision made by Austin City official and it's out of its hands. Yet the festival may end up taking place in some form or another later this year. We are exploring options to reschedule the event and are working to provide a virtual South by Southwest online experience as soon as it's possible for 2020 participants. Uh, stay. 
starting with South by Southwest EDU. So, yeah, um, it's very interesting that that happened. Uh, that was uh, a huge deal. I know that like a lot of uh, like uh, restaurants and a lot of people make money because of that, and it's a huge blow for the local economy there. And um, yeah, it just it just sucks. There's really nothing more to say other than it just it just sucks. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I'm not that familiar with uh, with with this event, so I was just kind of letting you uh, letting you take it over since it's more you know uh, connected okay. to. So it's basically yeah. like a, a lot of concerts, a lot of different uh, things going on, and um, and also uh, in other news, like concerts are getting canceled as well. Right. Uh, Sega yes. was planning on having a panel uh, at South by Southwest. Uh, let's go ahead and go into that here. So Sonic the Hedgehog panel adopts new format after coronavirus can South by Southwest. Uh, this was from Push Square, and the article was ri written by uh, Sammy Barker. And it says here, the annual South by Southwest 2020 show was, has been canceled this year by the city of Austin due to the coronavirus concerns. It means that Sega's anticipated Sonic the Hedgehog panel, which has been a fixture at the festival for a year now, for years now, will adopt a, quote, new format when it airs at some point in April. Uh, our bet is some kind of Nintendo Direct-esque showcase, but we suspect all will be revealed later in the month. A spokesperson for the show said, we understand that the gravity of the situation for the, all the creatives who utilize South by Southwest to accelerate their careers for the global businesses and for the Austin, and for Austin and the hundreds of small businesses, venues, theaters, uh, vendors, production companies, service industry staff, and other partners that rely so heavily on the increased business that South by Southwest attracts. So yeah, um, the basically uh, it was rumored that the Sega panel was gonna uh, announce a new Sonic game. And so now uh, Sega hmm. has to retool their entire uh, panel and create a digital event in April. So it was whatever was gonna be announced uh, next week is now gonna be announced sometime in April. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, once again, there's there's not too much to say about those. There's a lot of what we're, we're expecting. There's lots of... Um... Lots of delays happening. I, I think we're still going to get a lot of the things that we're going to get anyway. We're just going to get them late and we're going to get them in a digital format. And I feel like for a lot of people that would normally experience these things from afar, there's not going to be that much of a difference. Uh, it's just a bummer for like you were saying before, you know, like the local economy in these places that relied on these events, you know, things like hotels and um just restaurants and everything else that uh, tourism even that depended on it. I think those are some of the industries that are getting the the worst uh, the worst blows. Um, but as consumers, we ultimately are still going to get most of these things uh, one time or another. Yeah, South by Southwest is like a festival that like just pretty much does like everything entertainment. So like, right. I, I think movies, uh, some independent movies debut at South by Southwest, and um, it's also got like a little bit of Coachella vibes whenever it has some concerts and stuff. So it's um, speaking of which, I'm pretty sure Coachella will be probably canceled soon at some point. It's only a matter of yes. time whenever they announce it. I've been hearing but, ramblings um, about that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so basically, um, yeah, that's it, there's a there's a lot of that going around. Let's just put it that way. As far as cancellations, we're going to be sounding like a broken record here. But um, uh, let's just keep, let's just continue pu uh, pushing forward here. Game in <laughs> gamesindustry.biz. Uh, uh, we got an article from Rebecca Valentine, and it says here, GDC offers talks for free following event cancellation. So the Game Developers Conference GDC will live stream a number of talks originally planned to take place at, at its now canceled convention next week on Twitch. The talks will take place from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time from Monday, March 16th 
through Friday, March 20th. The Independent Games Festival and Games Developers Choice Awards will also stream virtually beginning at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Wednesday, March 18th. A schedule of talks will be available on GDC's website beginning Friday, March 13th. Additionally, live streamed talks, uh, talks as well as additional submissions will be archived in the following weeks in the GDC Vault Online, which will be available for free to anyone. So the um, that's kind of interesting because I, I believe I was reading an article about or uh, another segment about how Xbox is going to be doing their GDC talks and I didn't, it wasn't on the dock, but basically uh, we may be hearing a lot of uh, Series X information mm-hmm. um, as a result of their their online event. Yeah, probably a lot of like developers slash tech slash like specs uh, related information we're going to be seeing like what are like tools that people can use and uh, what engines are going to be supporting Xbox Series X and um some more details about you know the the features that they've talked about and and how developers can implement them in their games and etc i feel like this news is almost like kind of like this little like light in the tunnel in a way i mean not not in the grand scheme of things but just as in like to end the the sort of the the segment with a bit of a positive uh spin on it is the fact that you know gdc is this convention that is it's very cool but it's also very um, secluded in a way and uh, the gatekeeping for it in a way is real when you when you got tickets that are expensive um, to just go to the event and and San Francisco is an expensive city to get hotels at and to travel to depending on where you're coming from it makes the it makes the convention something that's not very accessible to the majority of developers around the world, you know, indie developers, smaller developers, sometimes even like, you know, mid-sized developers. And it's cool that we're going to get a lot of content that we otherwise wouldn't get available outside for free that is now going to be free. Uh, Because GDC Vault is a thing, and it's a website where you can go and, and watch GDC Talks, and they also have their YouTube channel. But they never make everything available. You can get everything available for a very expensive price, uh, or you get the ones that they chose to make available, which is a certain percentage. Let's call it. I I'm, I don't know this for sure, but I think it's close to like fifty percent of of what's there. Um, so that's great, and and that's that's good that you can always get that for free. But I feel like a lot of times the big things that people really want to see, uh, the talks that are being run by you know big names in their fields and and um big companies that have gone above and beyond with with their tech or whatever they're doing a lot of those are usually behind a big paywall um so i'm very interested to see if we're going to get some of those for free this year and i think that's going to be in that sense that's exciting it's going to be cool that so many people are now going to be that would otherwise not have access to this are not are now going to um so yeah yeah, I mean, hopefully we can be covering this on the podcast. That'd be very interesting to talk about. Yeah, to get into the weeds. Um, you can, since you're a developer, you can tell me about the Series X or you know break it down for me. Yeah, I'll, and for the I'll, listeners, I'll, I'll look into it and see how much of it uh, I understand and I can break down and how much of it goes over my head. Because I'll tell you, dude, like <laughs> even as somebody that works in this field, there's there's people doing magic out there that <laughs> still seems like magic to me. Um, like I went to this. Uh, Quick tangent. I went to this GDC talk last year uh, from the tech lead at Insomniac, and he was talking about Spider-Man. And basically, it was like this very quick, like he, he was like a very fast talker. And he would talk about like all the crazy technical things that they did on uh, Spider-Man to make that city run and look the way that it did. And, and to make Spider-Man be able to move so fast through it with no like loading as you went through it. And it was just like... It was like half of it I got and half of it was like, okay, this is like, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, but it was very interesting nonetheless. I would imagine there's like a lot of manipulation of the draw distance or something like that. Yeah. Or some pop in that you don't even notice. Yeah, there, there's a lot of like minutia to how they have things stream from like the disc and everything. And 
so much stuff in there. But anyway, well, that's a that's yeah. definitely a tangent. Cool. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the extra news here. So we're not going to, as we get into like the uh, these extra news segments, we only read the headlines and then we'll just talk about whatever we want to talk about as far as the extra news goes. So uh, 2K Games withdraws its games from NVIDIA's GeForce Nows, while Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney announced that the company will be supporting the service with Fortnite and other Epic Store titles being playable on it. And another uh, another story, a new Amnesia game, Amnesia Rebirth, has been announced for PS4 and PC, and it's coming this fall. Also, Horizon Zero Dawn, the PlayStation 4 exclusive from PlayStation-owned Guerrilla Games, is officially launching on PC later this summer. So, anything you want to talk about? I guess Horizon coming to PC is, uh, I think it's really interesting, and I think we're probably going to be seeing that with some other... Uh exclusive playstation titles as well and i don't think some people are taking it as a bad thing i don't think it's a bad thing i mean the game is three years old and i think this is just gonna introduce i think sony's like plan on this is to introduce new players to the franchise that will then be interested on getting a ps5 to play the second game potentially you know interesting that's my take on it um it's uh the 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 bad gamer in me wants to be like no my toys um but i it's definitely um there's always the the uh the what is it, the word i'm looking for the um the not the optimist but there's like a word for it it's like whenever it's like everything's perfect or this is a utopia that person uh that person in me is um wants to say that there should be no exclusives and so yeah more games on all the hardware makes is great for the consumer so um for me looking at the headline and reading the story and knowing about it it makes the most sense that this would be the uh the first uh uh, PS4 exclusive that was developed by Sony Studio to be coming to PC because of um, Death Stranding, and so you've pretty much uh, retooled or rejiggered the uh, the Decima engine to run on on PC. So why not just throw in Horizon while you're at it? So man, breaking a couple of bucks. All right, so uh, Daniel, uh, we are switching roles. So normally I cover the drop, so now it's your turn. You're going to be covering the drop, but you also got the the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the pleasure of covering two weeks worth of stuff since we're taking off next week. So uh, go ahead and run us what's coming out. That's right, and as you might expect, I am totally prepared for it, meaning not prepared <laughs> for it. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, see. see, this is this is what happens, all right? Yeah. You, you like you like chastise me for like not being ready for the first couple of times, and you realize that it's an art. Yeah, it is an art. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so for the for the rest of March, so the, the next time that you guys will be getting a regular episode from us uh, will probably be on uh, March twenty seventh, so towards the end of the month. So we're just gonna gonna cover sort of the big releases. Uh, for the rest of the month here uh we got animal crossing new horizons uh is coming on march 20th nintendo's beloved life sim series is making its long-awaited switch debut on march 20th with the release of animal crossing new horizons this time around rather than settling down in a pre-existing village you'll be moving to a deserted island where you'll be able to build your town from the ground up that's not all that's new in new horizons the game features a swath of quality of life improvements including the ability to terraform your island it also makes clever use of the Nintendo Switch Online mobile app with a companion service called Nooklink, which allows you to scan pattern designs and text chat with other players. 
So there was, a, there was a Nintendo Direct about this game a little bit ago that we covered uh, in a little bit more detail. And on the same day that Animal Crossing comes out, uh, a similar game, a competitor is also coming out. It's called Doom Eternal, coming out on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Ironically, arriving alongside Animal Crossing on March 20th is Doom Eternal, the anticipated sequel to 2016's critically acclaimed Doom reboot. Like its predecessor, Eternal is an unrelentingly violent shooter that pits you against the forces of hell, which this time have overtaken the earth. While the core gameplay remains the same, Doom Eternal introduces a slew of new weapons into the mix, as well as some new traversal options. Rounding out the package is an asymmetric multiplayer mode called Battle Mode, which has one Doom Slayer facing off against two player-controlled demons. Doom Eternal is also coming to Nintendo Switch later this year, which we'll see how that runs. I have, uh, <laughs> I have some stuff to say that I wanted to cover about Doom and Animal Crossing. Go ahead. Uh, number one, I love the memes. I don't know if you've been catch, uh, like knowing about it, but there's memes of Isabel... Um, hanging out with uh, doom slayer and like <laughs> isabel is like uh, playing doom and then doom slayer is playing uh, animal crossing there's like a lot of animations and stuff you should check that's something to check out i don't know if you were aware i've of that. seen a couple things going around and in fact i've seen the the twitter profiles interacting with each other which i think is really funny like when uh, when nintendo announced the animal crossing direct uh the official like doom twitter uh tweeted at them being like oh i wonder if isabel is gonna yeah. be there or something yeah. um yeah so that's pretty hilarious. Um, so some of the other releases that you can uh, start playing before Doom and Animal Crossing come out are uh, Neo 2 and uh, MLB The Show 20. Neo 2 is coming out on the PlayStation 4 on March 13. Uh, and just reading a quick blurb for it. Defy your own mortality and unleash your inner darkness across the violent feudal land of Sengoku-era Japan and the deadly dark realm in the Savage Action RPG sequel. So if you enjoyed the first Neo, if you enjoyed these kinds of games, this is very much a Souls-like, you know, like if you like Bloodborne, Demon, uh, Dark Souls, etc. I think you uh, you might like this the series as well. Uh, and MLB The Show, which is the the Sony exclusive uh, baseball franchise, is uh, coming back as well on March 17, um, which I believe this is also another uh, Sony exclusive, which uh, our previous Sony exclusive that in the future is going to be coming to other platforms as well in a move that's very much in line with kind of where the industry is going at this point um, well i don't even think that was uh sony's decision i think they lost the license if i'm not mistaken yeah i can't remember the details right now but yeah so i think this one is still exclusive but starting with the next game so uh 2021 will probably be available on other platforms as well uh and of course uh, one of the big ones as well if you have a vr headset is that half-life alex is coming out on march 23rd after more than a decade of dormancy, Valve's beloved shooter series is finally making a comeback this month with the release of Half-Life Alex. Set between the events of the original Half-Life and its sequel, the game follows the eponymous Alex fans and her father Eli as they're relocated to City 17 following the Seven Hour War. Half-Life Alex can only be played in VR, but Valve assures it's a full-fledged Half-Life game with a campaign approximately as long as Half-Life 2. The game is compatible with a range of VR headsets, including Valve's Index. If you picked one of those up by the end of last year, you could get Half-Life Alex for free. Uh, that's kind of it. We also got uh, Bleeding Edge coming out on March 24th. Uh, I believe that's the new game by the same makers of Hellblade, uh, Ninja Theory which are now uh, an Xbox studio. That one is coming out on Xbox One and PC. Um, let's see, a couple things towards the end of the month that we can cover on the other show. And of course, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps came out this week. Uh, so if you're uh, interested on that, definitely go check it out. I know Lewis was very excited about this one, so he's probably going to be playing it in the coming weeks, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm going to just go throw out there that I'm probably going to have like a, a full review in time for the next episode that we record. Cool. Looking forward to that. And as far as just some random drops that also happened this week, 
After breaking into the Battle Royale genre with Black Ops 4's Battle Royale mode, Blackout, Activision is going much bigger in the Battle Royale space with a standalone free-to-play game called Call of Duty Warzone that supports 150 players and doesn't require you to buy anything to play it. You can read the Warzone updated patch notes to see what's changed. Uh, so yeah, we're getting uh, like this free-to-play kind of like a Fortnite-like in a way a Battle Royale mode for Call of Duty. I'm, I'm comparing it to Fortnite just in the sense that it's a standalone. It's a part of a game, but also a standalone um game that you can play as well if you do not have uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which I've been playing. And we're also getting an update to Mortal Kombat 11. Spawn is coming to Mortal Kombat 11 on March 17th. Uh, Todd McFarlane's Spawn is coming to Mortal Kombat 11 later this month. The final add-on character is part of the fighting game's combat pack. Spawn will be released on March 17th in Early Access and on March 24th for everyone else. I'm sure that you're going to have something to say about this, Louis. Oh, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to review it. Uh, so, yes, I did buy the Season Pass, which is the combat pack. So, I will be getting it on March 17th, the day it drops. And then for the non-Season Pass owners, you can buy it on the 24th. And uh, I've I've seen the trailer uh, multiple times, and I'm hella hyped for what he can... He looks top tier. Like just, uh, I'm I'm just excited. I'm very. I um side side note. I played uh, Spawn Armageddon for the on the PS2. So um, a lot of his moves that he does in the Mortal Kombat 11 are just straight up like ripped from that game, and it just with the chains and the guns and everything, which of course are ripped from like the comics and stuff. Which you know that all makes sense. But I'm I'm very excited. I am I am very very excited. Um, and it's also going to be the end of the season pass. So there has not been an official announcement at this time of recording of a combat pack two. We don't know if there's going to be a second season, but if uh, there is not a second season, this is a good way to end. Yeah, and I feel like whenever you guys hear from us again, uh, we're going to have a lot of thoughts on games because we're, we're probably, I feel like both of us are probably not going to be playing Doom or Animal Crossing, at least right now. Uh, but like Louis said, he's going to be playing this new uh, Mortal Kombat character as well as Ori, and I'm probably going to be playing, uh, finishing Call of Duty Modern Warfare's campaign and then jumping into the Battle Royale to see what that's like. So we're, we're hopefully going to have some thoughts on that uh, two weeks from now. I also um, I also wanted just to go back to Call of Duty. Uh, the uh, One of the things that I was reading about the game, and I think it's a very interesting thing, is that when you die, you get sent to a prison and you have to like basically prison fight your way back into the game. So like you'll, you'll come back to life if you manage to survive in prison. So I think it's a very interesting mechanic and I, wouldn't, I will uh, happily anticipate the uh fortnite ripping that mechanic and putting it in the next uh season patch in two weeks oh yeah for sure that, that's what they <laughs> did with uh, apex legends right yes exactly mm. so i'm just you know poking fun of that but i i also i say that facetiously but i also can see that being true as well right cool now it's time right. for what are you buying our broke gamers guide uh, yeah, we're gonna go through the things for you broke gamers out there. What you should be doing. Uh, you can also take a page from my book and go buy some uh, used Xbox 360 games on eBay. Um, <laughs> it's amazing what you can get for like five bucks in that situation. By the way, um, <laughs> but anyway, so on uh, on the Epic Game Store, we're getting uh, two free games for the upcoming week. Actually, we're gonna get uh, three free games for the upcoming week. Uh, Anodyne Two. Return to Dust is going to be available from March 12th to March 19th. A secret hike is, or a short hike is going to be available from the, for the same time period, March 12th to March 19th. And once again, for the same time frame, Mutazione is also going to be available for free. Let's look at a Mutazione. This looks interesting. It has it definitely has an interesting name. Um, yeah. Oh, I like the accent that you threw in there. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to work on my Spanish a little bit. Um, yeah, this looks. This almost kind of looks like a. 
what's that game oxen free like like a little bit oxen free like or uh, uh, night in the woods uh it seems like a little bit of a little story driven adventure in that style let me let me read the blurb for this one a mutant soap opera where small town gossip meets the supernatural join kai as she arrives in the mysterious community of mutazione to take to care for her ailing grandfather discover scenic hangouts magical gardens new friends and old secrets so if you want to play yeah, that i actually kind of agree with your assessment there on the after that description and seeing the trailer play it does have a uh, night in the woods uh uh, vibes going on in there. Yeah, so uh, check it, check that out. Definitely grab those free games. I I grab them every week. So at this point, I have a a lot of free games on the Epic Store. God knows when I'm gonna play them, but at some point, if I want to, I will play them. Uh, if you're interested in Resident Evil Three, which is uh which is coming out relatively soon, uh, you you can now get it for uh, you can now pre-order uh, for twenty percent off in the, on Steam. So if you want to play it on PC, uh, there's a there's this Capcom sale going on right now. Uh, you can get a variety of titles for uh, for much cheaper than they typically go for. You can get Devil May Cry 5 for 22 bucks. Uh, you can get Monster Hunter World for under 20 bucks. Um, you can get a lot of the Resident Evils for you know up to uh, 50% off or even more. Uh, Resident Evil Zero, for instance, is less than five bucks right now. Resident Evil 7 is 13.79. And if you pre-order uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake. Uh, then you're going to get that for uh, $47.18, which releases on April 3rd. So this is the kind of case, I, I, I'm usually not a pre-order person, but this is the kind of case where when I do pre-order things, it's usually in a situation like this where it's like, if you're planning on getting this game day one or month one anyway, like rather than paying $60 for it, you can just get it now. And then you're going to be saving, you know, uh, about 15 bucks in the process. So I uh, definitely recommend that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I'm... Uh... 20% off, that's kind of like the, the going rate whenever uh, Best Buy had their thing. It's called Gamers Club Unlocked. Um, they canceled that program, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they were bleeding too much money. But yeah, yeah it's, definitely a, it's definitely a steal. And so. some other deals on eBay right now. Uh, you can get the Nintendo Switch Lite for $183. Uh, you can get a pack of the or, or a combo of either Pokemon Sword or Shield plus the new Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX for $93. So that would normally retail for $120 in total. If you're just getting the newest Pokemon Rescue Dungeon game or Mystery Dungeon game, you can just get that for $49. The PS4 Slim 1TB with the with three big hitters on the PS4, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Last of Us Remastered is now going for $235. A um, couple other deals out there. You can get the Xbox One S All Digital Edition for $140. Jeez. So you can get an Whoa, Xbox that One. one. Yeah, for $140, that's nuts. So imagine getting that and then getting like one of their deals on Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold. You can spend maybe like 200 bucks and be good for a year. And you're going to be able to play all the, you know, uh, AAA Xbox exclusives as well as like a lot of the other titles that they have available on Game Pass, such as Outer Wilds and the Outer Worlds and a bunch of other things as well. Yeah, at 140 bucks, that made me do a double take on that one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and... Uh, Two days ago on March 10th, that was uh, Mario Day, uh, and in order to celebrate Mario Day, Nintendo is running a lot of sales on their games that feature the the plumber from March 8th until March 14th, end of day. Uh, you can get Super Mario Maker 2 for 40 bucks, Super Mario Party, uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, and Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, all for 40 bucks on the Switch. Uh, so Switch deals don't come in often. In fact... You know, going back into the Xbox 360 stuff that I've been talking about, like, I've been going back now on eBay. I'm having a lot of fun on eBay recently, just looking at, like, old games that I want to add to my collections as well. And 
there's Nintendo games from like 20 years ago that are still like 60 bucks <laughs> uh, if you're buying them used. Uh, so point is deals on Nintendo games are not don't come as often as in other uh, for other publishers or, you know, other consoles. Um, so, you know, for instance, if you're interested in Super Mario Maker 2 and you haven't picked that up, 40 bucks is probably the best price you're going to be able to pay for it in a long time um, until another you know, situation like this happens. So definitely check it out. And also um, with those games, uh, they are digital, of course, on the eShop. But I believe with the Mario Day deals, if I'm not mistaken, they've Nintendo worked with their their partners, uh, like their retail partners, to make sure that the the games are also uh, can be bought physically for the same price. So yeah. if you're a physical person, which segue, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, you can buy it there at the stores as well. For sure. So uh, definitely go check that out. You, you probably only have this weekend to do it, depending on when you're listening to this. So, yeah, you can check it on Amazon, GameStop, Target, Walmart, etc. And yeah, that's All right. it. Daniel, roll the thing. It's time for topic of the show. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. This is a topic that I've been wanting to cover on this podcast for a really long time. Um, I've actually, we have a doc and we've got, we've planned our shows out pretty well in advance. We've got lots of topics of the show that we want to cover and we just kind of have to schedule it in when we schedule it in. And sometimes things get bumped because of a new, of a big topic that just drops. But um we have been ignoring a pretty big game industry uh, topic um, on this podcast because we've been saving it for this. So I've wanted, I've been wanting to cover GameStop and, and its business and how it kind of seems like a sinking ship. And uh, so this is the time for us to really talk about it. Um, so going into this, we're going to be discussing the, um, the idea of physical versus digital, as well as what's going on with GameStop right now and the future of, of, its, uh, of its business, as well as uh, other insider news that's been going on, uh, a lot of rumors and speculation. So uh, let's go ahead and first go with the, um, the actual big news story that's been dominating the headlines as of late. Uh, Reggie fils uh, former president of Nintendo of America has been appointed to the GameStop's board of directors. So this story comes from gamesindustry.biz and was wrote, written uh, by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, GameStop has appointed former Nintendo of America Reggie, head Reggie fils to its board of directors alongside former CEO of Walmart US, William Bill Simon, and current PetSmart president and CEO James uh, J.K. Semancic. I think I got that right. Uh, these appointments are effective immediately, bolstering the GameStop board of ahead of retirement of current board members uh, Dan DeMatteo, Gerald. Oh, Sapansky. <laughs> Good luck on that one. <laughs> Damn, uh, Japansky. Uh, yeah. I, I guess it must be something like Japansky. I'm thinking, but yeah. it's it's. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Larry Zalavi and Steve Kunin from their roles beginning uh, in June of 2020, and the planned retirement of Jerome Davis and Tom Kelly in 2021. Games uh, GameStop lead independent director Kathy Vrebeck will succeed Mr. Mateo, uh, Demateo as board chair beginning in June. So a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of, of names. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of names, a lot of moving around, but basically the big story is that uh, somebody who is familiar with the games industry is actually in the board of directors for GameStop. So it's not just a bunch of retail heads. So um, in case people didn't know, Reggie fils has had a, uh, um, he's, 
he's batting a thousand when it comes to turning around companies. So he uh, he helped uh, turn around, I believe, was it Papa John's? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, hmm. his career. I'm not. I'm not that familiar place. with his career, actually. But yeah, I'll, so I'll take if, if I'm not it. mistaken, it's. I was. Uh, he was uh, before working at Nintendo America. He was at uh, Papa John's, and he helped uh, turn the tide, turn the turn everything back around, so they became successful. And then uh, when he joined during the GameCube era, he definitely helped uh, oversee the success. Uh, when it came down, came for like the DS and the Wii era. Fortunately, he was also uh, president for the Wii U era, which was a big uh, L. But they also turned it around, and he left on a high note with the Switch. So. Um, it's going to be interesting because my take on this news story is that this sto- this story can go either one of two ways. Either A, he does it again and he turns it around and he makes GameStop successful, or B, he's just coming out of retirement to collect a paycheck and then dim. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, I I like Reggie. I I with growing up with uh, Nintendo or growing up in quotes, but like following Nintendo for the past like I don't know like. 15 years or so it's you probably came across reggie uh, as and his persona as a presenter in, in many different ways and um and it was always you know fun to to see him in events and see him in directs and everything uh i want to say that he was never like my favorite like nintendo personality to see around i felt like some of the some people like like you know iwata and, and miyamoto and um had a little bit more uh I felt like a little bit more chemistry and a little bit more connection with the games than I did from him. Uh, but, you know, he definitely seems like a very competent guy and, and he did a good job at, oh, like, leading, uh, steering the ship at uh, Nintendo of America as well and, and kind of left it a very good note as well because he left it right as the Switch was starting to uh, climb the charts and become successful. Um, but I'm not sure, like, with this news, I feel like we're, we have a tendency to focus on his name a lot because we know him, but... I'm not sure to which extent he's going to be involved with things and how much power he's going to have on things, you know? And what I mean is, like, if if he's just another one in the board of directors alongside all these other folks that we were whose names we were reading about, like, how much power does he really have and how much can really be done at this point, I think, is another question, too. So, um, I, yeah. I personally... I think I think this is an interesting news to uh, to look at and to think about, but I don't think we're gonna see personally, and, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we're gonna see a significant change on how GameStop's doing in the in the future. I mean, it's really gonna be a win-win for Reggie. Like, if you think about it, like mm-hmm. if the company goes under or bankrupt or whatever, no one's gonna blame him. So he's not gonna take any That's kind true. of like optics-wise. He's not gonna take any L. Um, so he's really gonna be at a he's he's at advantage pretty much. So um, if I, if I were him, I would probably do the same thing. You know, so um, I just think that he's coming into this uh, into this uh, board position where he's in a. Uh, um, the industry itself has changed yeah. and like the, the retail itself is dying. Like malls are like empty and yep. uh, um, people would want to buy their games uh, less physically or having to go to a store or wait for an Amazon shipment. They'd just rather have it preloaded and ready to go uh, once midnight strikes or even before midnight strikes. Um, those are just interesting things that he has to like contend with. Like how is he going to, or, or what ideas just GameStop in general, not just him, but what ideas are GameStop in general going to, what are they going to do to entice people to want to come to GameStop? And um, I've been wanting to talk about the story in general because, like, I actually stopped shopping at GameStop years ago. Mm-hmm. The last time I actually stepped inside a GameStop was because I bought my Nintendo Switch. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, I mean, and, and okay. So, yeah, I basically, that one that one time notwithstanding, the last time I went to uh, uh, uh 
was a GameStop was because I had to pre-order my Nintendo Switch there because they had more supply than like my Walmart did or my Best Buy did. So um, it was like a necessary evil, but otherwise I wouldn't have got it from there. I wouldn't have got it from them if I had a choice. So it's the part of the reason why is because of um, how I feel as a customer. Like I've been turned off by having to shop there because I always feel like I'm being like bombarded with, hey, do you want to buy this, uh, this, um, your power up rewards? Do you want to uh, do this or do you want to pre-order this or do you want to put an insurance on this? Or mm-hmm. like, there's just so much like upselling and like suggestive selling and all this other stuff. And the poor employees are just trying to meet their quotas, but like, it just, it's very thirsty and it's very um, harassy uh, uh, on the consumer part. And it made me not want to shop there. Not to mention whenever GameStop or I'm sorry, whenever Best Buy threw in a Gamers Club Unlocked for those couple of years, the decision was pretty much easy for me to make and just simply shop and buy all my games at Best Buy when I got the discount. I feel like in, so, in some ways that, that explains why people, so one of the reasons why people have been turned off from retail in, in general, not not even just, just GameStop. It's like it's the, the uncomfortableness of being in that position where you're trying to be sold to that um, for so many you know years and and decades it was just all we had but now that we have an alternative where you can order something from home you can look at all the options you can look at find coupons find the best deal on the thing that you want to buy and and just order it and then have it arrive a couple days later it's such a comfortable position compared to actually going into a store and having to deal with you know people pressuring into buying you something trying to find something not getting and having people try to push you something that you're not interested on etc that just the the whole process is so much more uh convenient in so many different ways that that as slowly turn people away from you know going out and actually physically shopping um, which is something that i you know i still do from time to time and and there is almost like a level to nostalgia to it at some point uh, at this point i i you know i don't i don't have the same uh like you said that you had not basically stepped on a, on a GameStop almost at all in the past couple of years. I, I still go into GameStop every once in a while, but the interesting thing is I don't buy anything. Um, so, <laughs> which that's not what they want to hear. Right. But I enjoy going in to just look around and see if uh, there's anything that tickles my fancy that I, I have not been, uh, cause, cause that's the whole value of like going to a store is the idea of like maybe seeing things that you, that you want, but you didn't know you wanted until you got there. Right. Uh, or, just uh just kind of seeing i like to see what people are doing what people are getting like almost like kind of from a almost a scientific little standpoint it's like huh i wonder what like people are buying or i remember i, I was at a mall around uh black friday last year and and a little bit later as well for doing some final like christmas shopping and and it was interesting to just go to gamestop and see you know like what were people buying and um what were you know the the salesmen trying to sell and instead of just analyzing the atmosphere and also i always go in just it's almost kind of like you know, like checking in on somebody that you feel like may die at any point. It's like, hey, like you're still you're still alive. <laughs> That's very morbid. Yeah, I know. Not not to get morbid about it, but it's just like coming in and being like, huh, like you guys are still around. What are you doing different? Oh, nothing. Cool. It's like, or you know, but before that, before the switch uh, thing happened, like I was a frequent shopper there at, at uh, like I want to say like from like 2014, 2016. Like I was a frequent like shopper there, and I would buy all of my games and pre-order my games, and I would re- renew my membership and they would love me and then they wouldn't I, they got to the point where like i was i was such a regular that they actually stopped uh suggestive selling to me because they knew me and right. they knew that i always knew what i wanted 
So, um, which I also want the newer people, the newer hires didn't know that, and so it would annoy me too. So, yeah, which I also want to be fair about something. I know that there's even stories coming out recently about how much they're being pushed to do that and to oversell people on things. But the last few times that I personally have been to a GameStop, I did not have anybody try to do that with me. So, I haven't really had that experience. So, me, it's just more about like there's not that much motivation for me to go and buy something at a GameStop when I feel like I can typically get number one, I'm somebody that doesn't buy, you know, $60 games when they come out anymore, like almost ever with very rare exceptions and i'm somebody that buys so much stuff digitally today or if i buy physical games it's now in the form of what i'm really doing at ebay which is i'm just like like surfing and finding like old stuff that i missed or that i want to add to my collection um and then buying that and just having it arrive like within like a week at most or, or maybe buying things on amazon here and there so it's yeah, it's it, it's definitely more about I, th- I think it's just a thing of the past at this point. And I, I don't desire any like I don't have any uh, like negative, you know, uh, will, Ill will. Yeah, Ill will yeah. towards the people that work at GameStop. And I think it would be awesome if they could put it together and turn it into something exciting. But I myself, I can't even imagine what they could do that would make me actually want to uh, frequent GameStop in a way that's actually profitable for them. Um, and I, I know they've, they've talked about ideas of like they're trying to reshape things to make it more of like a place that you go to hang out and play games with your the friends. Gamer lounge. Yeah. yeah. But I don't even think I would go to that personally. Um, like my gamer lounge is my home and it's like my friend's houses and it's having them come over. I don't really do that much anymore, but I, I used to until not too long ago. And um, I don't know. I find it hard to believe. I, I can't see it fitting in my lifestyle, at least to like go to a GameStop on the weekend to hang out at a gamer lounge. But maybe it would for other people. So... Yeah. yeah, Walmart is even doing that. They have esports arenas inside Walmart's now, and they have like tournaments for a different game of the week. Like mm-hmm. so, Thursdays is Smash Night or whatever, and like they have like League Day or whatever. But um, and also not to mention uh, another thing that Walmart's doing that GameStop isn't is like they are just straight up slashing prices on day one. So like you can buy brand new games, like even Nintendo games, day one for fifty bucks instead of sixty. Oh, wow. So that's part of the reason why I actually want to buy some of my games at Walmart. Right. Like, um, so yeah, I just. And there's a lot of different things. I got a lot of, I got so many stories about GameStop. Like one time they even tried to get me to cancel my, my uh, cell phone bill and, and sign up with them. And like, I don't even, I'm not even the primary on my cell phone bill. I'm on my, I'm on another person's plan. And it's like, come on. Like they just, uh, they just, they really, they really do uh, misread the customers in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, I don't know. I think but, there is uh, some value to like going to a place where, you know, you're dealing with uh, actual people, actual salesmen. I feel like maybe as we move towards this digital age where we're, we're having so much online interaction and remote interaction, maybe we're going to start missing more of the physical interactions. Maybe the idea of talking to a salesman that actually knows about games and is giving recommendations and, you know, just chatting, uh, you know, about the new games that are coming out and, and, and maybe you're discussing taste and, and what, what maybe, Oh, you like this. You probably like this one and et cetera. Like maybe there'll be a value to that, that we're almost going to be nostalgic about in the future when we don't have it anymore. But internet just does People it so already well. nostalgic about blockbusters. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I feel like there might be a value there. I think I, I could see like GameStop. I think the only way that I can see GameStop really succeeding in the future is if it's more of a one it's 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 much smaller in the sense that there's a lot less stores throughout the country because otherwise it's it's much harder to be profitable. And two, if it's a little bit of more of a uh, boutique, like nostalgic, like little shop where you go for like maybe you go for old games, you go for you know, little events that they can do. You know what's a good comparison to actually now that I'm thinking about it? It's like there's these uh, like card stores uh, or like just kind of board game slash card game stores. Like a comic book shop yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That 
are usually around colleges like uh back in uh orlando when i was going to college over there there was one that was like across the street from my college and people would just go there and hang out after uh like like would like people would have classes and stuff and a lot of times the nerds would go there on friday nights and i don't say nerds negatively by the way i'm a nerd but they would go there on like friday nights and then they would do an event for like like a magic the gathering tournament or something and people would come in and they would buy drinks and food and maybe they'll buy some new cards and some board games and etc and they'll do little raffles and other things and even the school like uh, as part of the school we would organize like little like events and expos in there as well uh so maybe they'll need to become something more akin to that but there's no way that that could work in a, in the grand scale that they have so they would definitely need to scale down for for that hmm. yeah um as far as what i was, I was going to add to this is that um uh, gamestop has been in the news uh lately i just wanted to cover this as well um some bad news is that GameStop was laying off, uh, doing a lot of layoffs. Um, they were la- laying off district managers and they were restructuring uh, the districts. Um, and this comes after they've already restructured the districts um, just a couple of months ago. Um, things are looking really bad. And uh, there is a YouTuber who goes by the name of Camelot. Uh, Camelot is a uh, former GameStop manager who, um, who got fired. And he basically created a YouTube channel and created a tell-all series about what happened with him and his tenure and his uh, 10 plus years working for GameStop. And uh, uh, he then became a source because he got contacts in like GameStop corporate as well as actual other uh, current GameStop employees that are like uh, uh, direct messaging him on Twitter, his uh, like screenshots of actual company memos. So he's getting information on the inside that's not to be released to the public. And like his co- his corporate contacts are telling him about like their their plans for layoffs um, before it gets announced to the public. So he has been right um, about everything since like August of last year um, because he announced that they were going to be doing in phase one, phase two, and phase three. And right now they're in phase three. And uh, mm-hmm. there was now there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but there is uh, according to Camelot, uh, GameStop is implementing a program they were going to be calling Legacy Delete which is a program that means that anyone who's either been with the company for more than five years or is making more than $16 an hour will be looked into to get fired, to find any reason to fire them. And so what they're doing is they're having five corporate associates look into all the transactions that they've done just to find anything, um, um, any reason for termination, as well as uh, uh, what Camelot's been reporting on a lot of recently is that people are getting messaging him saying that they're getting fired for time card fraud when they are, that's not, the case where somebody got like fired for time card fraud a year a year ago or something like that right, that kind right. of stuff so dude that's it's nuts. pretty bad yeah and dude what a what a bummer episode of this podcast by the way <laughs> I, like we, we need to we, we need to name it something appropriately so we got to brainstorm that after this <laughs> yeah we got time um uh so yeah no like it's it's definitely something that I've been wanting to cover because it's like, holy crap, this is pretty bad. And we've been sitting on these stories for like a long time. And, yeah. Uh, there's actually other stories that I didn't even get to put in the doc that I wanted to cover, but I just couldn't remember like what else was going on. But basically, that's some of the most recent stuff. And um, and I feel it's it kind of it kind of seems like GameStop may not have a future and you you might want to get out while they're getting as good. I know the stock prices have tanked a lot. Yeah, they so. keep tanking. They've been tanking for a while, actually. And I, I even remember like some podcast that I was listening to about a year ago. uh uh, with with uh, Greg Miller actually, and, and he was saying, you know, I I I I'm guessing it was him. It could have been something else, someone else. So don't quote me on that. But somebody was saying like, oh like oh GameStop stock just went down down a lot. So maybe that now it's a good time to potentially buy it, so that if if it goes up, then you can make a lot of money that way. Which is like 
common practice in in stock trading um you know like i've i've even actually done that before i have very little stock it's not like i'm it's like some crazy investor out there or anything but i've i've like dabbled with like buying a little bit of stock and selling it and, and kind of seeing how the how the system works um but the thing with gamestop is that i'm pretty sure it's just been going down like it's people keep thinking oh like it's 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 lower than it's ever been it's probably gonna start going up eventually nope just continue to go down so there was an expectation that with the new consoles coming out at the end of the year that they were finally going to have like a little bump again and then maybe then would be a good time to like sell your stock and you know call it a day maybe that would help them survive the next couple uh years but with everything that's going on this year like who knows? I, I'm sure that's gonna have some a- a effect on their bottom line as well. Um, if well, there was there was even talks of whether or not they were gonna be able to make it to the launch of next gen in the first place without the delay. But now there's an expectation that next gen may be delayed into next year, so it's it's gonna be hella worse. Yeah, which granted, the expectation here is a lot of speculation, of course, and a lot of it is is coming from us. But it seems like the way things are going this year, it, it seems like it's a possibility at this point uh for sure so you know it's let me ask you this dan did you knew anything about like the the stuff about like legacy to delete before i told you about it or are you just finding this out about like right now i'm just finding this out about now i i didn't okay i didn't know uh all this stuff before no this is uh this is pretty crazy stuff yeah i'm i'm granted you know there's always been not always for the last couple years i remember seeing stories like negative stories about gamestop and especially like you know like the upper level management of gamestop um and and the bad practices that they would do and i've been seeing that for many years at this point i think i I, i'm pretty sure there's been articles like the circle of life yeah yeah that was like, like a huge thing it went away but then it actually went came back and all this other stuff. Oh, and there's another thing that Camelot told uh, told everyone is that they are yeah, currently right now GameStops are are uh, are pushing tech trades to their associates. So they're trying to get associates to uh, to buy people's cell phones from their pockets. You know, be like, hey, I can quote you this or whatever that kind of stuff. Oh wow! And what they do is they take all these cell phones and they sell it to like overseas companies like China in bulk, so they can turn and flip flip a profit to help their pocketbooks which is insane because GameStop isn't their biggest money driver. Isn't like the games or accessories. It's now tech trades. They're really scrapping. Huh? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Un- unfortunately yeah. I feel like at this point, you know, and it's sad for everybody that works there, but I, I feel like at this point they need to, they kind of need the close job because there, there might not be a way to save this. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And get this, get this Camelot reported a story about how um, they, uh, told a memo to tell uh, associates that if you didn't physically see them steal the phone, then you can accept it. And then, and then, so uh, oh, wow. people would like have like stolen iPhones, and they would still be in a sh- box and shrink wrap, and then they would accept it as a tech trade or whatever. And then, like, whenever the police like caught uh, caught them or whatever, and uh, an associate got fired and is being penalized to the full extent of the law because they uh, bought a stolen item, but uh, this was at the um, at the behest of their uh of their managers but then like as soon as they get caught the managers sell them down the river and don't even and wash their hands clean of it and say we we don't do that we are not no that's not what us but um i feel like i want to stop it here Mm -hmm. i don't want to go further much into it uh we had a whole i was going to do another we can split it up here because i wanted to do a physical versus digital debate yeah. but i think that's going to be its own that should be its own topic of the show well, mine is in the same so place we'll just about put it that because as we were talking i was like that would be good like game there's enough to say about gamestop that could be its own topic some other time i think you know yeah 
So we'll just do physical versus digital another time. Uh, but did you have anything last to say about GameStop uh, before we move on? No, I just uh, I wish I wish things would get better, and I wish there could be a future with uh, GameStop being healthy. But due to all these, you know, uh, bad uh, business practices and and poor management, and also just the world moving into a different direction, unfortunately, it looks like that may not be possible. But I hope I, I would love to be proven wrong. I have uh, I agree with Reggie's tweet about a healthy GameStop being good for the industry. Yeah, so I'll sure. leave it there on a positive, on a slightly positive note. Mm-hmm. All right. So Dan, yes. Do you think we have time for um, sharing the love? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this. Uh, All right. This... Let's end. Let's do positive. Something. Something positive. Yeah. Exactly. This week. Exactly. This should this should only take about like you know five 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 ish minutes, but. Um, okay. Cool. So, Go for you it. know, sharing the love. This is the segment that that we do every week. I figure we need to uh, at some point figure out a good intro for it for you know people that maybe are jumping in at any particular episode. But uh, the summary is we just share the love uh, and share potentially stories and uh, to to a game that we're emotionally connected to in some way or that has just been special for us. And today I want to talk about an MMO, a Korean MMO called Ragnarok Online. Um, this MMO was, uh, very popular in Brazil, uh, when I was growing up, I think it came out there originally in, uh, maybe 2005 or 2006 or, or around that time frame. And it was one of those where it was, um, at the time, I think eventually it went free to play, but I, I think at the time it used that old, um, business model of paying per month or like subscription based, you would pay for a certain amount of credits that then would allow you to play for a certain amount of time uh i think you could you could do hours but the majority of people would do like like you would pay for a month or something you'd have a free trial first and then you pay for a month i think it was the old world of warcraft model um and and this was basically a uh the the first mmo i played the first game of this this type that i've ever found and it it looks very interesting if you go look at it it's like 3d environment look yeah it's i have it here (laughs) i'm looking at it it looks like it looks like 2d hand-drawn um sprites yeah yeah. So the characters were sprites, but the the environment itself was uh, was 3D, and I think that that was probably a limitation at the time because you know that you could have so many of these characters on screen at a time, and and so many people played this game, and it was it, it, nobody, very few people that I've talked to have heard about this in the U.S., but it was definitely really popular in Brazil, it was really popular in Korea, and I'm pretty sure it's it's probably been popular in some other emerging uh, markets as well. But it was a game that you could almost like not escape. Louis in Brazil, like growing up at that time, because it was it would be like you would go and rent a DVD at Blockbuster, and then you would get like a free disc uh, with that, and it would come in like cereal boxes and stuff, and and pretty much everything that you would like buy, like this disc would just make its way into you somehow, and you put the disc on and install the game, and then you would have like seven days or however many days for free, and then after that it was a subscription thing, and and it was very addicting. It was like very typical uh, MMO. Uh, hooks where it's like you start up and and you have your you make your little character and 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 you give it a name and you can add your friends and then you start playing together and and kill monsters go see new towns explore the world do quests etc typical stuff nothing crazy there but this game was just so special to me at the time and it was really part of my life for a for a certain period because i would uh i would go to school and then come home and play ragnarok with my friends and each in their home connecting through skype kind of similar to league of legends a little bit later in life uh and i I just have this particular story that i wanted to share which was that we're so engrossed in this game that whenever a new expansion would come out uh we would all uh plan to to go and play it together and 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 like do whatever was new in the expansion together and this one time, the new expansion was this new city or this new this new area in the game that they were uh, they were bringing in. And uh, for whatever reason, we couldn't just like warp to it. You couldn't just like fast travel to it. Uh, we had to actually get there. Uh, but 
um, I was playing with two friends, and one of my friends was a little bit higher level, uh, so he could probably do it no problem. But me and my other friend were really underleveled to get to this new area, but it was the new thing in the game, so we really wanted to go check it out. Uh, so basically what we did is we did a party together and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to get there. Uh, and so we just started walking. And for like what feel, what felt like hours, we we're just like walking through different maps, like, you know, killing monsters along the way, like working together, trying to get at this place. Um, and this game had a thing where like if you died, like like so many things that have been resolved since then, like as far as quality of life stuff were not the case then. So if you died, you, you would potentially go back like to like your last like uh, save point or whatever that might have been like a town like many maps over uh, so it was really important when we were getting close to this new city that we couldn't die and then the very last few maps that uh, that were close to the new city uh, were full of monsters that were very high level for us especially me and my friend that was also under leveled and we're really struggling to get through it when we got to a point where we we weren't sure if we were gonna make it so we had this moment that was straight out of like the you know like a like a movie trope or something where we got surrounded by like all these like higher level monsters that there's no way that we could have been able to deal with and my friend who was the the higher level one uh this was like in the map like right before like we could see the city in the horizon kind of thing <laughs> and and then my friend used this item that would basically make him the target for like all the uh all the attacks from like these monsters and he was basically like oh i'm gonna sacrifice for the team you guys can go without me tell me what the city is like and then he used it and all the monsters went and attacked him and then me and my other friend were able to run <laughs> and <laughs> It's just it's just one of those moments that like I remember it like to this day so strongly and like and and then we just like ran and we made it into the city but he died but like he he died so that we could make it. <laughs> and nice. then and then we got there and then we're like, Oh my god, this is so cool. It was like this like metal city or whatever and like talking about it and like and then when we got there we could save and and after we got there and now we could warp to it and everything. Um so he eventually made made his way there as well. I think we went back and we tried to do it again or something, but just that moment was just so special and and it's really one that of sounds epic as fuck. <laughs> I know. And it's just really one of those things that only happens in these kinds of games that I don't really play anymore, but you know, when I look back at like my teenage years playing these MMOs and online games and whatnot, and just these these weird interactions that you end up having with the with the people you're playing with were we just took it so seriously, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um that's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, so Ragnarok Online is it was just a very fun game that for you know like uh, a little over a year, probably a couple of years, I was uh, dipping in and out off and uh, having a good time with. And I don't know if they're still around. If you can still play the, I'm sure there's like pirated servers around that you can find your way in. I'm not sure if the the official game is still running, uh, but maybe it is. You never I'm know. Pretty sure the sequel. I'm pretty sure there's a sequel, and and that's probably. St- running i'd imagine yes i've heard of the sequel i've never played it but yeah the sequel was more akin to a like a modern-ish mmo for the time so the sequel was more more like a world of warcraft or something like that but yeah i I never played it yeah so uh that's uh that's it all right well thank you for sharing that that's pretty awesome that was a very good story (laughs) Uh, i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah all right so it is time to end thank you so much for joining us for another episode of ready press play Remember, you could reach the podcast at readypressplay at gmail.com or simply at readypressplay on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at chocolaka88. Please tweet at me and let me know how I did. You did great, and you can find <laughs> you can find my my wonderful co-host, Daniel. At the Dan Lima. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell, us, uh, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. Today, we're wrapping up with Splatoon 2. 
Expectation remix by Sash Mori. Check the show notes for the for the full version, and if you're interested, check it out. So that's right. Take it away. Thank you. Bye bye.